Welcome to episode 41 of the Cyber Guy podcast. I'm your host, retired FBI supervisory special agent Darren Mott. And in this podcast, we're going to talk some cybersecurity news, what it means for you if you're a business owner, what it means for you if you're an individual, and as always, how to protect yourself and, and not become the next cyber victim. First off, I want to say a big thank you to everyone who continues to download and listen to this podcast. I'm actually re-recording the one for today, July 5th, because I had a slight error in the first one, so I wanted to kind of redo it. Uh, it so this is only going to be a 20 to 30 minute podcast. I'm going to talk about some cybersecurity news. The last couple of weeks, I've been traveling, went to New York to see my mother, uh, had a birthday in the midst of that. And so it's been a couple of weeks since I did a podcast. I'm hoping to get on a more regular schedule going forward. That is my promise to you to try to continue to, to provide you information that is valuable to you so that you can prevent yourself from becoming the next cybersecurity victim or the cyber victim, if you will. And there's been a lot of news this week, especially with the Kaseya uh, malware, I'm sorry, ransomware attack. And we'll talk about a little bit about that in a minute. This is going to be a very Russia heavy uh, podcast simply because some of the news that's come out recently has been largely cyber, I mean, sorry, Russia focused. So we'll talk a little bit about that. I hope to have Scott Ogenbaum on later in the week. We'll talk about a project he's working on and how it can help you as an individual to, again, protect your company, protect yourself, protect your family from the cyber threats that are out there. And so let's start off with the big news story from the last couple of days, which is the ransomware attack that has targeted over a thousand different victims. And so this particular attack made news today because the attackers demand $70 million to unencrypt everyone all at once. Well, swoop. So let's read this. I'm going to read this from The Verge. This is Richard Lawler reporting. This was 40 minutes ago from the time I recorded this. But three days after ransomware attackers started the holiday weekend by compromising Kaseya VSA, and we'll talk about what that is in a minute, we have a clear idea of how widespread the impact has been. In a new ransom demand, the attackers claim to have compromised more than a million computers and demand $70 million to decrypt the affected devices. Now, these companies range pretty widely. Apparently, one of the groups was a grocery store chain in Sweden, it appears, that was hit by this. I actually had a guy who listens to me in Sweden. Thank you, Eric, for, for uh, emailing me. But he had called and said they went to the grocery store and it was closed. And they think it was because of this ransomware attack. And that likely was the case. Uh, and so the, uh, the Dutch Institute for Vulnerability Disclosure revealed it appears the exploit used for the breach was the same one they discovered and were in the process of addressing when the, the attackers struck. Uh, and this is a similar group that did the JBS meatpacking ransomware a couple weeks ago. It's a Russian link group to Revil or R Evil ransomware. So R Evil is the group that developed the malware platform that some other group probably used to launch this attack. And then R Evil gets a percentage of whatever ransomware is paid. It's kind of how ransomware as a service kind of works. And so in this particular case, and again, I have no inside information to the exact methodology for this attack, but what I've read in certain um, articles is that the target of this was a software platform for remote monitoring used by a company named Kaseya, and it was called their VSA software platform, that they would then deploy out to their customers to do remote monitoring of their networks. 
And that is how the bad guys were able to pivot and hit all these companies all at once. And so who is Kaseya, you ask? Because that is, seems to be limited in the reporting, or, or maybe at least the ones I've read. But Kaseya is a, multi, is, a, is a company that provides IT services to MSPs and small and medium-sized businesses. Their mission statement says, since 2000, our open platform and customer-centric approach delivers the technology small and medium-sized businesses and managed service providers need to reach new heights of success. Kaseya's IT Complete Product Suite is the most comprehensive integrated IT management platform comprised of industry-leading solutions for our family of companies, and they list some of those out. And more than 40,000 organizations around the world use one or all of Kaseya's industry-leading IT solutions, and the number's growing every day. Well, at least it was probably until this. And I don't know anything about Kaseya, so I can't speak to their their level of, of um, you know, how good they are. They, they have 40,000 customers. They must provide something useful. Um, their products, if you look at their product list, they have a bunch of them. VSA is at the top of it. It's remote monitoring and management, which a lot of companies want because they want to be have someone looking at their network, looking for vulnerabilities and potential incidents to stop them before they happen. Now, the problem for Kaseya in this respect is their brand image is going to be, is going to be damaged. And likely, you know, it's just one of those things where the bad guys found a vulnerability they were able to exploit, similar to SolarWinds. SolarWinds found a vulnerability in a platform that distributed information to SolarWinds customers and allowed them access to thousands and thousands of customers. Same thing here. It's a supply chain-like attack where software that a small and medium-sized company leased out from another company to help protect their cybersecurity infrastructure worked against them. And it's just, it's the way that ransomware works. It's the way that bad guys are looking to target these companies because the bad guys, it's, you know, yesterday was July 4th. I guarantee you there were bad guys all around the world continuing to work on July 4th and try to scam people out of money, try to get ransomware onto computers, things like that. And it's certainly going to continue on. And we'll talk about some of the additional vulnerabilities in technology and why they're not working in the next story. But obviously, you know, this is a bad bad punch in the eye for Kaseya. Uh, hopefully, I mean, I hope for them that they're able to recover from this and continue on as a company, which I'm sure they will. Uh, but, you know, it certainly shows the potential vulnerability with linkages between companies who are offloading their cybersecurity to a third party. Not saying that it's not something you should do. It's certainly, if you're a small and medium-sized company, it makes the most cost-effective sense to do this kind of offloading of services to manage companies like Kaseya and others that do this work because that's what their specialty area is. Now, what I would recommend is for whatever company you're using, and I assume most companies did this when they signed on with Kaseya, is to, you know, find out when is the last time the company did their own internal or had a rather even better, an external auditor come in and take a look at how they did their cybersecurity. So, you know, there's a lot of frameworks that exist that for companies to use to figure out how secure are they. There's the NIST 800 series. There is COBIT 5. There's ISO. There's a lot of different cybersecurity-focused frameworks you can use that you can check and say, how good is my system? You know, here's, for example, one of the NIST 800 series has 120 controls that you can look at to say, okay, you know, how's my global address book? What's my domain controller? Things like that. And, and you can have a, a third party come in and say, well, you fail on this one. 
You know, I've seen certainly companies that have had those kind of assessments. Uh, CMMC is a big one now within the defense industrial base that uses the NIST 800 plus a couple other controls integrated with that where you have the companies that are being assessed uh, not necessarily certified because there are no one's been certified yet, but those that have had pre-certification assessments are coming in at a very low percentage of passing the 130 controls for the level three of CMMC. And I'm not going to get into any great detail on what CMMC is or how it works, but CMMC is just essentially a f- similar to a framework that a company can use, even if they're not in the defense industrial base to say, okay, I'm going to check these 130 things and see how safe my system is. Chances are you'll find a lot of vulnerabilities that you need to work on. A lot of it is you just don't have policies in place and you you fail those controls because there's no policies, but there's a lot of other things that go into, into that. And you can certainly look that up if you want. At some point I'll have a CMMC related podcast, which I'm kind of got around to that yet, but all this to be said that, you know, obviously now there are small and medium businesses that are now dealing with this ransomware event because their supply chain got compromised. Uh, and so my my hope is that part of the the new presidential executive order that dealt with cybersecurity created this cybersecurity review team or review board, whatever it's called, that's supposed to go into things like that and provide a postmortem like the NTSB does for plane crashes to say, here's what happened. Here's how this occurred. That is the only way we as a community are going to figure out how to better deal with these issues, how to better protect ourselves by knowing how are the bad guys getting in. My fear is, as my fear is with all of these, that we talk a lot about the ransomware, and then next week there's another one that's even bigger that we're going to talk about. You haven't heard about solar winds in a while unless you're in the cybersecurity community. You hear that a little bit, Colonial Pipeline, JBS Meets, Osceola County Schools. Pick your, pick your ransomware of choice. It's everywhere. Yet we never hear, here's how it happened. Here's how you can protect yourself. And a lot of it is because there's a lot of different vulnerabilities. These guys look for vulnerabilities, look for zero days that they can use to then compromise these systems. And you probably think, and this is going to bring us to my next article, is, well, I have technology in place. That should protect me. Well, does it really? So the reason I am redoing this podcast from the first one I did is because I read an article in previously that had to do with the title of the article was Antivirus Fails to Stop Ransomware 100% of the Time. So this is from Tara Seals at InfoSecurityMagazine.com. And basically, she reported that uh, in a survey, this goes back to 2016. So we're talking five years ago. A survey from five years ago showed that successful ransomware attacks during the last 12 months, 100% reported they were running antivirus at the time. So 100% of companies get hit with ransomware in 2016. The antivirus didn't stop it. Not only that, 95% of the victims said the attacks bypassed their firewalls. 77% they bypassed email filtering. 52% bypassed anti-malware, and 33% of the attacks were successful, even though the victim had conducted security awareness training. We'll get back to that in a second. But the reason I'm redoing this podcast, because that particular article is five years old. Well, here is an article from 11 days ago from Tech Radar, and I give a hat tip to Chase Cunningham from the Dr. Zero Trust podcast. And if you like this podcast, listen to Dr. Chase Cunningham. He's much smarter than I am. He does a similar type thing where he talks about cybersecurity stuff for 20, 20 minutes. Sometimes he has people on to talk. He was on my podcast a few few episodes ago. Really smart guy. But um, anyway, I heard this on his podcast, so I'm stealing this from him. Sorry, Chase. But it, the article needs to be heard by as many people as possible. But 
Uh, Mayank Sharma is the reporter on this, and it basically says traditional antivirus software misses the vast majority of threats. Now, this is not just focused on ransomware solely, but it's threats in general. So reading from the article, most widely used traditional antivirus solutions fail to capture nearly three-fourths of threats in the first quarter of 2021, new research has claimed. Compiled by cybersecurity vendor WatchGuard Technologies, the report shows that 74% of threats detected in the first quarter of 2021 were zero-day malware, which can bypass conventional, conventional signature-based antivirus solutions. That's why zero-day works. There, no one knew it existed, and so there's no antivirus to protect it. But in all, WatchGuard, in all WatchGuard appliances, they detected over 4 million network attacks, which represented a 21% increase compared to the previous quarter at the highest volume since 2018. Uh, and so, you know, basically, antivirus is not working. Now, they don't talk about the other things in this particular article, but I think it's safe to say that the in five years, the ability for antivirus to stop against threats, at least ransomware, went from 100% maybe to 77% if we're lucky. But we can probably assume that email filtering, firewalls, and so on is not a whole lot better. So a lot of companies, a lot of CEOs say, well, let's just go buy the best new hardware we can to protect our system. We should be good. That is not going to be the case. That is technology is we can't technology ourselves out of this problem. It's going to continue to be an issue going forward. Education, I believe, cybersecurity awareness training, I believe, is lacking across most businesses. That's why I'm working uh, on some things to try to, to, to make that better. But when you do education once a year, you're going to get people to pay attention once a year, and that leaves 364 days where they don't really pay attention, and then ransomware hits and a 1,000 companies get targeted. You know, so are all, you know, are all ransomware attacks email-focused? Most of them are, but a lot of them are not. This one particular, this particular one, uh, the Kaseya one we were talking, one we were talking about, dealt with software that they used for remote monitoring. Somehow they got access to that, and were able to pivot from the main company Kaseya and jump to all of its customers and be able to encrypt the devices that it's connected to. So certainly shows the capability for bad guys to get around technology. Uh, and so, you know, you need, still need to have awareness training, but companies now are you have a lot of people working from home, which creates a much larger attack surface from which bad guys can find vulnerable computers, get back into the corporate networks they're looking into. These threats are not going away. Cybersecurity is a great space to be in simply because the threats are real, they are consistent, they are evolving. And there is a lot of room for people to enter it that have technical skills, that have leadership skills, that have strategic skills. I don't necessarily consider myself, you know, much of a coder, if at all, but I understand how cybersecurity works. I understand how the bad guys think. I understand the strategies needed to, to confront that and, and things that need to be done to make our lives better and to reduce our victimhood potentiality, which is kind of why I put this podcast together. So all that to be said, technology, I, I make the point of this particular article uh, simply because antivirus is still, still should have it. You, you should have it just so it'll stop the easy stuff, the script kitty related stuff, because you don't want that either. But, you know, obviously you still have to practice good online hygiene. Be careful what sites you go to. Be careful what things you download. If your kids are downloading BitTorrent-related movies and things on your network, that's a risk. That's a vulnerability. Actually, that's a vulnerability that creates risk, rather. Um, and so if you're not on top of all those things, your network is likely compromised up the wazoo. I know that, as an example, 
my mother years ago had a laptop and every time relatives would come over, their kids would use her laptop and download LimeWire and download all sorts of stuff. Her computer was so full of viruses, I basically took a hammer to the hard drive and called it a day. Bought her an iPad and said, here, just use this. So all that to be said, if you're a if you're a business owner, you need to, again, change the way you're likely thinking about cybersecurity, bring in outside folks to talk about what that cybersecurity should mean to you. Offload your risk if you can, but do your due diligence when you're checking on the companies you're using because, you know, we're going, I I don't know what's going to happen today or tomorrow from a cybersecurity perspective, but I'm sure there's something that'll pop up that would allow me essentially to, to, to have a podcast every day to say, here's the news for today. Here's what we're looking at from a cybersecurity perspective. And honestly, I should do this twice a week and hopefully over as the summer progresses, I'll have more time and, and do this a little more frequently. So at least, those of you listening, those of you that, that, that have an interest in this stuff can protect yourselves and help protect your family members. Uh, and hopefully I continue to bring that information to you. So my last article for today has to do with the Russians. This has been a Russian heavy episode, obviously, but the Russians are in the news lately. China is a big problem too. And we'll talk about China maybe later in the week. But so there was a release that came out a couple of days ago. And the, the interesting thing about this particular release, it was a joint release between the NSA, the DHS Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, or CISA, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, and the UK's National Cybersecurity Center. And interesting because they all came together to release a cybersecurity advisory exposing malicious cyber activities by Russian military intelligence against U.S. and global organizations that started in mid-2019 and likely continuing to go today. Um, and because the NSA was part of this reporting, that makes it a lot more serious than, than normally because the NSA usually doesn't talk about these kind of things. So this is the Russian GRU, their military intelligence group. Um, and essentially, um, they are using brute force access to try to penetrate government and private sector victim networks. So what, what that means is they have compiled legitimate valid credentials they found likely on the dark web from that's collected and collated together from the, the historical number of data breaches that have occurred over our lifetime. Uh, and so they are basically trying to match usernames with passwords to try to brute force their way with this password brute force attack into these networks. Um, and so they're looking to exfiltrate data. They are targeting governmental institutions, uh, research institutions, universities, think tanks, um, and things like that. So these malicious actors use brute force techniques to discover valid credentials, often through extensive login attempts, sometimes with previously leaked usernames, passwords, like I said. This is not a new technique, but they are leveraging software containers to easily scale these brute force attacks. Um, and so the NSA is encouraging DOD, National Security System, and Defense Industrial-Based System Administrators to immediately review the indicators of compromise included in the advisory. So the, the advisory says here's how they're doing it, which is kind of nice because it's showing some of the TTPs that allow these organizations to protect themselves. Largely, to be honest, it's through Microsoft Office 365 known vulnerabilities. If you remember a couple eh, – a month ago, maybe two months ago – there was a big. There was a report that the FBI had gone into private companies and basically fixed vulnerabilities within their Microsoft Exchange servers. That's what these guys are still using. There's still plenty of companies, plenty of organizations that may realize these vulnerabilities exist, but haven't taken the time to fix them. Because um, if you, the, the article I talked about earlier, and I don't think I read this sentence that talked about the ransomware is 100% ineffective. There is a line in this that says what's baffling is that finding that most companies don't alter their approaches after a ransomware attack, meaning 
most companies that get hit with with a data breach or a ransomware attack don't fix the problem that caused the breach to occur, and I'm sure that is the same today. So there, there's tons of vulnerabilities. CISA, FBI, we do a lot of reports about, hey, here's some vulnerabilities you should fix, and companies just don't take the time to fix it, largely because cybersecurity is a cost-loss model. You're not making money on cybersecurity, unless you're a cybersecurity company. Yes, obviously you are then. But if you are a widget maker and you need cybersecurity to protect your intellectual property and your network from people trying to steal your information, anything you spend on cybersecurity, you're going to lose money on. But my argument to that is if you pay for cybersecurity awareness training, you pay for the right technology, the right support, it's going to cost you a fraction of what an actual data breach is going to cost you in the long run. So your, your question probably is, how much are data breaches costing us these days? Well, the last time I checked uh, that number, it was like $3.6 million a data breach. So if you get hit with a uh, – I take that back. So it says – so this is from digitalguardian.com. That kind of goes back a ways. But this says, in the U.S., a data breach costs a company on average $8.19 million. This is in 2019. That's two years ago. So, again, it depends who you talk to. Uh, the number $6 trillion in loss has been thrown around. There is a professor at the University of Alabama, Birmingham, who argues that number is incorrect. And it likely is, uh, but it's a nice number. It, it sounds good for the, the company that came out with it. But even if it's a trillion dollars per year. Did I say $6 billion? I meant $6 trillion. I think I meant $6 trillion. Whatever. Well, who cares? The number is so large, the amount of loss, that... It doesn't matter if it's $1 billion, $1 trillion, $6 trillion. It's still a lot of money being lost from cybersecurity. And if you're a company, $7 million for a data breach is probably going to bankrupt you, or $8 million. So, you know, invest a little bit now to protect yourself going forward. As, as, and as users at home, how are we protecting our networks? Are we using VPNs at home? You, you know, do you necessarily need to? Probably not. Depends on what you're doing. If you want to hide your information from Google and the tech companies, yeah, sure. Use a VPN, encrypt your data. They can't track you, and you won't get those Google ads that pop up after you look at shoes on Amazon. All of a sudden, every ad on every page you're looking at says, here's the shoes. So, you know, you can use a VPN for that. Certainly, you should use it when you're traveling. If you're connecting to work, from home. Hopefully they've given you a VPN to use to, to, again, try to lessen the risk overall there, but it's not going to completely eliminate it. But you need to at least, like I always say, understand the threats targeting you, assess your risk, and proceed wisely. Every day is a risk management decision for everyone as they browse online. Right now I have a bunch of, you know, Microsoft Edge windows open um, with a variety of information. I have a couple other apps um, there was a report that came out that Audacity, an audio um, open source audio program you can use to edit audio, uh, is now spyware based on the way that the company changed their terms of service. So they spy on what you're doing and information on there. So it's made people upset. I've, I've deleted Audacity FMI system. I use a different program for that anyway. Um, but anyway, that's, that's the, the, the point being, threats are consistent. They are constantly changing we see a lot of reports about what those threats are, yet we don't see a lot of post-reporting as to here's what the problem was, here's how you fix it. Hopefully that changes over the course of the next several months. Worst case scenario, I'll be here to tell you what it all means, what's all going on, and to hopefully keep you protected so that you do not become the next cyber victim. 
With that, I thank you again for listening to this podcast. Hopefully, I'll be back later in the week to talk to you a little bit more. Feel free to email me, Darren at thecyberguy.com, cyber spelled C-Y-B-U-R. Find me on LinkedIn, linkedin.com slash I-N slash Darren Mott, all one word there, Darren Mott. Uh, And tell your friends if they want to keep themselves protected, not become a cyber victim, give the Cyber Guy podcast a quick listen. Pass it to your friends, pass it to your parents. Let's keep everybody safe. Thanks again for listening. Enjoy the rest of your day, evening, or afternoon.